Welcome to the Tough Talk Podcast, your weekly sports podcast, rambling and debating all your favorite sports, previews, recaps, predictions, and more, only here at Tough Talk. Be sure to follow along on Twitter, at Tough Talk Pod. Now, here are your hosts, Christian and Derek. Hey, Christian, how's it going today? Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to Tough Talk. Uh, looking forward to a great episode. So let's just uh, let's break it down real quick and let's get to it. All right, let's go ahead and hop into the first subject this week. It's going to be the Jets and Cowboys. All right, that yeah, sounds good. What a game that was. Um, Sam Darnold coming back from, from Mono. Um, lots of quarterback changes in the last few weeks for the Jets. Finally getting their first-round pick from last year back. And what a difference did it make for the New York Jets, finally getting their first win against the Dallas Cowboys, who started off 3-0, now 3-3. Um, definitely calling a question that head coaching in Dallas. I'd let you get more into that. But, wow, what about Sam Darnold? Um, he threw some fantastic passes. Um, he really had that offense going. Um, New York Jets, um, I wouldn't say that they're a playoff caliber team just from their start, but they're going to make some noise and probably move to the middle of the pack here and make um, – Make a little bit of a tough run for probably some of these teams in AFC, such like the Bills and the Patriots, uh, trying to make it to the playoffs. Um, I really enjoyed that pass that Darnold gave to Anderson for, I think it was 92 yards. It was an amazing pass. Good read for Darnold. Um, And Anderson did a great job. Don't give him or make sure we give him credit to to making some space between uh, the safety and him to get open for that play. So fantastic job by the Jets. I'm looking forward to seeing them continue. Um, and against the Patriots this Monday night. Yeah, I was really actually kind of impressed by the Jets' defense. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is yeah. Kind, of, kind of funny because I just saw Jamal Adams talk about how he was having a disappointing season, in his opinion. And then that team came out, and they kind of looked fired up. Yeah. Um, I think Garrett may be out. I'm not sure. I don't – I think, honestly, him and, uh, him and Jones have a nice little connection where they're never going to go ahead and get rid of each other. I think that as long as Jones is the leader of the team, that he's going to have somebody like Garrett or somebody just yes, a man. quarterback. Uh, yeah, exactly. A quarterback, he can tell them what to do, and they're going to run a quarterback-style offense for him and because that's what he wants to see is the flashy plays. What's interesting, in my opinion, though, is that Dallas is, uh, or Garrett is losing that team. If you notice, they were kept showing – Sometimes where Garrett was like trying to hype up his team, slap hands, and nobody wanted any part of it. And that was after a Cowboys touchdown. Um, I think Garrett, in my opinion, I, I, I disagree wholeheartedly, and I think it's the complete opposite. I think Jones wants to keep Garrett um, in exactly that aspect. He wants a yes man. But I think his hands might be tied if they don't make the playoffs for one. Um, and But maybe even farther than that, maybe even an NFC championship game. Uh, this next game uh, is coming up this week, which we'll talk about later on in the show. Eagles and Cowboys are going to be a big test for Garrett and the Cowboys and where they stand moving forward. So the other thing I got to say is I honestly think the Cowboys have one of the top five, if not top three running backs in the league, and they don't utilize yeah. them properly. I think they, they throw the ball a little too much. I think Dak Prescott is slightly overrated as a quarterback. And if they had a better running game and they set that efficiency more and set the edge more, it would it would set a different tone for their passing game as well. And I think that's what a lot of the team is disappointed about because that offensive line would like to just get down there and just maul. I really think they would. It's one of the best offensive lines in all of football. I think they just want to maul people. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what's going to happen with Dak Prescott and this contract extension, if it even happens, or if we see him moving on next season. As we said, or as I said before, um, the next couple of games are really going to be a big deal for Dak, Cowboys, Garrett, everything, um, I, especially this one coming up on Sunday. All right, so let's get into the Titans-Broncos. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, Marcus Mariota got benched. I don't yeah, think Chris anybody Newsfest. was... I don't think anybody was surprised. It was a really boring game. I think it was 6-0 at the half. Wasn't the greatest game I've ever seen. Um, Ryan Tannehill came in. Didn't impress either. He could, I think he threw two interceptions. I could be wrong. It may just have been the one. Um, I got to be honest, though. This brings up a question for me of the hype on quarterbacks in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we overhype quarterbacks in the first round now? Because we used to overhype running backs till they just started putting them in a third round, fourth round. Now yeah. – are we overhyping quarterbacks? Because I, I just want to go through this list real quick that me yep. and you discussed before the game. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about Brady Quinn, Tim Tebow, yep. Johnny Manziel, 
EJ Manuel, Mark Sanchez. All first round uh, picks, all out of the NFL already. Is there too much hype on the quarterback in the NFL, and should there be less draft stock on the quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, it's definitely an argument that you could make on either side. Um, and the argument that you're making, saying that there is too much hype, um, there's definitely some agreement that I have for sure. Um, when you look at those names of Manziel and Quinn, um, the the aspect that they had, they had so much um, uh, expectation for these players to just come right out of college and to move into this pro system and to be able to perform on a team that obviously, if they're drafting a first round or a quarterback in the first round, it's probably not playoff potential right off the bat unless they have someone that was retiring and moving forward. Um, not many of these quarterbacks are amazing, like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, who did sit a year, so we have to keep that in, in mind, um, right off the bat. So um, I think the the first, one of the biggest rookies that I could think of that even made some moves uh, or, or was really good in his first season was probably, you'd have to move all the way back to Ben Roethlisberger when he took them to the uh, AFC Championship game in his rookie season. So um, other than that, yeah, you uh, you don't see many, of the, many quarterbacks um, succeed um, that come out of the first round. Now it's a risk that you have to take. Like you said, you, you moved from the running back position. Uh, now they're not first round caliber. Um, and that's, I think more because of longevity, not because of um, the aspect of if they're going to be good or not. That's a, a longevity question. Um, that's why you're seeing a lot of these running backs really fighting for contract extensions. Um, but the quarterback position. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a big question for me. Um, I, I like where my team Buffalo Bills are sitting for their first round pick, Josh Allen. Um, but that's because something, you know, in in the team's aspect, they built everything around and then went and got a quarterback. You know, they have a solid right. defense. So it all depends on what the front office is going to do. But you can't go ahead and um, just draft a first round quarterback and then expect your team to be better. Uh, I think we're seeing this in Cleveland right now. Um, they built some of their core, but they haven't fully done it. And they tried to speed up the rebuild and trade players, and it's just not working out. So um, I think that we hype it too much. That's for sure. Uh, after a while. What do you think? Oh, for sure. Um, yes. We just spent all our Titans Broncos time talking about first round quarterbacks because of how bad that quarterback game was last night. Yeah. But is there anything else you really want to add to that game? I mean, the Broncos defense had a few sacks. They kind of look like they're starting to get the pass rush going. That's about the only bright side I've seen from the game was the yeah. defenses looked okay. But the, yeah. as far as the actual game went, it was a snooze fest because of, I think, overhyped first round quarterbacks. And it wasn't and, one on each side. It was two from the same team, in my personal opinion. You say you think Tannehill is a better quarterback than I give him credit for. I think he doesn't. Ha I think he was overhyped coming out of college, and I think he wasn't as good. And yeah, so when you look at the statistics of Tannehill, um, he has a lot of his quarterback ratings throughout the years are decent. They're in the high 80s or even 90s, and he threw more touchdowns and interceptions now, although he did throw a decent amount of interceptions. But his teams that he were on in Miami were not good. So Tannehill, I think, I mean, when you're looking at some of these players, um, the sample size that Tannehill has is pretty decent. So, I mean, I, I like to see what, what Tannehill does as the starting quarterback for a Vrabel uh, Titans team uh, this this week. It might be something, you know, you can't really can't say, hey, Tannehill was really bad going into the game uh, after halftime because he wasn't prepping for this game. So this is the week to be able to determine that if he can do anything uh, moving forward. But, yeah, I think Mariota, I think his time in Tennessee might be moving on. We might see him maybe move sometime at the deadline in the next couple weeks, too. Maybe he goes to the Chiefs and tries yeah, to possible. hold up that spot for a couple of days. So yep. the other question about that, though, real quick, is mm -hmm. um, we have Tannehill in Miami. Yeah. And like you said, they didn't have a good team around him. So, therefore, why didn't they go somewhere else? And I think the real, the real answer to this, and it's going to be a, a strange answer, I think people overhype quarterbacks, overhype wide receivers because the NFL draft wouldn't be as fun to watch if they sat there and took 30 defensive and offensive linemen to help construct the front core of the team and then went linebackers and then went and built their team how a team is supposed to be built. It wouldn't be as entertaining of an NFL draft. They wouldn't be able to put it on TV anymore. Well, That's if you're going to look at it, opinion. if you're going to look at it in an entertainment standpoint, you're probably correct. However, if you're a front office player or a front office uh, in a front office position, you can't look at the entertainment standpoint. You have to look also, at how how your team's going to perform moving forward. So, if you're a purist in the NFL, I mean, I I don't care if 
you draft 32 offensive linemen in the first round. If that's your team need and that's the best player available, then you should go get it. I don't care if you if Tua or Jalen Hurts or whatever isn't drafted at all. If that's not the player that's the best available, which obviously they're going to be, um, for that position or for that team moving forward, then that shouldn't be the draft pick. So um, I think a lot of front offices need to take a different look at what they're doing in their drafting because it's not working. And one of the teams that's really not, it's not working for has been the Dolphins uh, for sure in, in, the, in the past. Also the fact that quarterbacks sell tickets. Uh, take into consideration the fact that the Arizona Cardinals had Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen didn't look bad as an Arizona Cardinal. They went out, they drafted Kyler Murray first overall. They, they gained like 2,000 season tickets just from drafting him first overall. So yeah, no, that, and that's quarterbacks true. make money, and they probably sell the jerseys too. So in that sense, that's probably why they're taking them first overall, first round overall, because they're trying to make more money off of this team and become a bigger market team, but it's not working because they're still not building around the quarterback in time, and the quarterback's getting slaughtered and not looking good. You know, that's a whole different conversation in my opinion. I think we'd have to move on uh, from it. But uh, when you're talking about Arizona – you you had a they brought in a whole new coaching scheme and that coaching scheme didn't want Rosen. It's kind of like how uh, Gruden didn't want Haskins, but they still st- stuck with Gruden. But on the on the King Clisberry side, uh, they said, "Hey, we want to move on. We want to get Kyler Murray. This is what my scheme's going to be about. I want to build around him." So they moved on from Rosen. I don't see that happening a lot. Um, like I don't see them saying, "Hey, let's we're going to move on from Kyler Murray next year." Uh, even if they did fire uh, Clisberry, which they're not going to. Um, but yeah, so it's. It's a weird aspect. However, I don't think it's going to change moving forward because there's a lot of teams in the league this year that need a quarterback. And guess what? A lot of these quarterbacks are hyped to go in the first round. And there is some good quarterbacks that are in college football this year. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'll tell you what, the one that's uh, overall number one right now, Tua, I think he's not going to be the first overall. Or uh, he probably will be. He's not going to be the best one next year. So but we can talk about that when we get closer to draft time. But, we need to talk about that more for sure because that's an interesting yeah. subject. But uh, I don't think two is going to be the quarterback of the future, though. He's not going to be a good rebuilding quarterback, and let him go to Miami as a Bills fan. So, all right, let's get into Chiefs Broncos. Um yeah. we'll just talk about the biggest thing. issue. I was about to say, yeah. Pat Mahomes, that knee. What's going to mm-hmm. happen? Do you think it's going to be a couple weeks? Do you think it's going to be a month? Well, they're calling a dislocated knee, and they're saying there's not any ligament damage. So what they're saying is it should be a couple weeks. They're saying maybe three to four, and um, they're, he's getting a second opinion um, probably as we speak right now or over the weekend. Um, but what is what is happening um, is that probably three to four weeks if he does come back in the season. Um, but if he does, who knows if he'll be 100%. He'll probably have to have a knee brace. We won't see a mobile Mahomes like we have. Um, we'll definitely not see any more quarterback sneaks up the middle, probably in his career, maybe. <laughs> so um, and we'll, we'll see it for sure. But a lot of people are giving criticism to Andy Reid for that quarterback sneak, and I think that's just bull. I mean, it's fourth and one. You're trying to win. It's a freak injury. I mean, how many times do we see quarterback sneaks? I mean, the 40-year-old Tom Brady had two quarterback sneaks um, last week, and uh, it was a Thursday night football. They played on Thursday night. And he had two quarterback sneaks for touchdowns. And you didn't see them complaining about Belichick. Why did you sneak Tom Brady? He's 40 years old. He's fragile right now. So um, that's just a that's a that's a freak injury. You can't blame the head coach for this. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with the Chiefs, though. They had Matt Moore. He didn't look amazing. Yeah, they won the game, but it was against the Broncos. Okay, yeah. and Broncos are not a good team this year. I remember people um, saying Joe Flacco was going to be a great addition to the team, and I just laughed. Yeah, it's unfortunate because Flacco had great years in Baltimore, but you know his time is definitely is definitely fading out. Um, we don't talk about him enough about how his 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 career is fading because they were too busy talking about Eli Manning, but he's right in that conversation too. Uh, yeah. But Matt Moore uh, probably for three four weeks is that something that Kansas City and Andy Reid want to do? Who knows? I think they might go after a quarterback, and the guy we just talked about, Mariota, might be a guy that could be able to fill into that void. Some people on uh, social media are saying Eli Manning. Uh, I don't know. He wouldn't I don't fit know. the Andy Reid system well. Marcus yeah. Mariota would fit the Andy Reid system well. He likes a mobile quarterback. Yeah. He likes somebody yep. who moves. Uh, the two the guys Rock, that I like. I was about to say he had McNabb and then he had Mahomes, Mahomes, or Mahomes, and those are the guys he's done well yep. with, and that's because they're mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, the guys ahead. that I like. Guys. I like Mariota for this position to move in because they probably won't give up much for him, and that helps Tennessee move forward because you know that they're not going to keep him. The other guy that I like um, – 
is Tyrod Taylor. He's the backup for the Chargers, but I don't see uh, Los Angeles help in Kansas City in this situation. No. <laughs> so uh, that's probably out of the picture. But Tyrod Taylor, I think, would fit this scheme pretty well, too. It's interesting, but they'd have to give an arm and a leg for them to even consider it because... And for three, four weeks, that's not going to be something Kansas City looks at. Yeah, no, it's not worth it for them. Uh, the other person that comes to mind is Teddy Bridgewater. I talked to you about that in, in a uh, message. I said if they found out it's MRI, mm-hmm. they offer a first-round pick. Do the Saints take it and roll with Hill for a couple weeks till Breeze comes back? If a team offers a first and a... Let's say a first and a fourth... For Teddy Bridgewater, today on the phone, calls him up. Any AFC team, do they take it? That's really like say, that's really important that you say AFC team because it would have to be the Saints would have to trade Bridgewater out of conference if they're going to do it. Look, at, the Saints are going to have to make a decision this offseason um, because Teddy Bridgewater is playing fantastic and he's a free agent next year. Um, if they're going to keep Bridgewater and make him the quarterback of the future, or they're going to give Drew Brees another year, or if Brees decides to retire after this injury or whatnot. But the Saints are going to have to make a decision, just like the Giants made a decision this year, and Carolina is going to have to make a decision moving forward too. But Saints in question for sure. Um, if the, the Saints do not have Bridgewater in their future, um, that could be a possibility, but I don't I don't see that happening. I think that's super abstract. Um, I think that's super um, like what if scenario because Bridgewater has been outstanding for the Saints offense, Absolutely. and I think that um, I think that they he's so crucial for this uh, for this run that the Saints are, are going to pull off. I think they I think they are. I think the Saints are going to be that team that we see. Um, it's either going to be the Saints or it's going to be the Seahawks, in my opinion, okay. in the Super Bowl. So. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I would say no, you know, and especially if you're talking Kansas city, I wouldn't give a a first and a fourth round pick, uh, for Bridgewater, even if Mahomes was out for the entire year, um, let alone for three, four weeks. I think they try to go for something way less, uh, on the scale of maybe giving up a a fifth or a sixth round pick, like a, a day three pick for Mariota. So. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting conversation. We were having this conversation for a couple hours the other night uh, or last night. But uh, no, I, I can't say that I would do that with Bridgewater. Right. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the week seven predictions. And mm-hmm. let's go ahead and start with the Eagles Cowboys. Yeah, great game. Uh, Cowboys didn't look great against the Jets, but the Jets looked really good. Um, Garrett may be losing his team, like you said. Mm-hmm. If he's losing his team, they're not going to play for him. I've seen it before in Oakland. When a team, when a coach loses his team, that team is done playing for him like that. They just don't care. It happened. It's happened a few times already in Oakland, so I'm very used to that. Uh, you got anything you want to touch on with that? Because I think the Eagles are going to win. Yeah, you know what? The Eagles, um, I think, are probably the favorite in this game. However, uh, the Cowboys have been really good at home since 2016. Actually, they're the third best team in the NFL since that time. They've had 19 home wins. Um, and again, playing playing against a division rival is always um, always brings a whole different aspect to the football game. Uh, Philadelphia and Dallas games are always great games to watch. It's going to be on Sunday night. It's going to be in prime time. Uh, mute your TVs because Chris Collinsworth is going to be talking. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah, Just so, listen to some music while he's on or yeah, play a game and music, watch it in the do background. Anything you got to do. Yes. Break, break glasses in the background. Turn the garbage disposal on. Do anything. Uh, but I think Eagles will win, win this game, but I don't think it's going to be anything crazy. Uh, but, yeah, Eagles, I think, are going to start making their run for the NFC East Championship. All right. Colts, Texans. Uh, it's going to be a Another good game. Another great game. Yeah, the Colts team is looking like Jacoby Brissett is starting to, starting to figure out this is his team to use and yeah. his team to lead, and uh, the whole team's going with it, which is really cool to see. I really think, though, with all that being said, this Texans team is just looking so good this year. Yeah. I think Deshaun Watson ha- or Deshaun Watson has yet another good game. I think DeAndre Hopkins has a breakout game this year or this week. He's been having a bad year this so far. Uh, I think that's how this game's going to go. You got anything you want to add about that game real quick? I love this game. I think this is going to be the game of the week. Um, this, If they had the flex rules yet, which I'm not sure they started yet, I would move this one to primetime for sure over the Patriots and Jets. This one would be my Monday night game. But um, Texans and Colts, I love the Texans. I think the Texans are going to find a way to sneak to that number two seed in the AFC now that Chiefs and Mahomes are having injuries. Uh, but the Colts, yeah. How, what about this story? This is amazing. Everybody thought the Colts were going to be 
top five pick after Luck decided to retire. Yeah. Brissett pops in, and Brissett, I mean, they're not going to need a quarterback now. So if whatever the Colts decide to do in the draft, it's not going to be a quarterback. Brissett is going to be their quarterback of the future. I think they found um, a diamond in the rough, to be honest, because they did not trade a lot uh, to get him from New England, if you remember. I believe it was only like a fourth or a fifth-round pick. So a uh, very good uh, pickup by the Colts here. Brissett looks fantastic. This defense is pretty good, too. Um, they've had issues with t- keeping T.Y. Hilton and uh, Mac healthy, and they're still in the run for the AFC South. Uh, so I-, I see those guys as uh, definitely a potential wildcard team for sure this season. But Texans are going to win this game. All right, so we're gonna we're already out of time for this one, so we'll do a quick three runovers. <laughs> right, Saints cool. Bears. It's gonna be a All really right. good game. Bears need to yep. show that their defense is good coming off of the London game. Mm-hmm. I still got the Saints winning. Yep. Uh you got do you oppose? Uh Saints win. Bridgewater's won seven of eight road starts. Uh Saints win. All right. Packers Raiders. I think this is gonna be a really important game because the Raiders gotta make up ground while Mahomes is hurt and they gotta play yeah. the best football they can. Packers looked good in their last game, but they had a controversial win because the Lions got screwed on a lot of calls. Oh, yeah. If you don't believe me, just go on YouTube and look it up. It's really bad. They got called for illegal hands to the face twice on the uh, final possession, and they were both horrible calls. Mm-hmm. Also, they got called a uh, fumble that went forward out of bounds, reversed into an incomplete pass that took and made a first down a fourth and two. So that was kind of a disappointing one as well. Uh, but still, I got the Raiders taking this one. Maybe that's the fan in me. But let's go. Let's go ahead and destroy them. Let's bring the black hole to them. Uh, Seahawks Ravens. This is going to be an interesting one because we had Marcus Peters just traded to the Ravens. I think he maybe get a lot of play time. He's going to be out there with Earl Thomas. That's one of the. That's going to be a fun secondary to watch. Uh, Seahawks. How are they going to respond? I think Earl Thomas is going to try to have the best game of his career come playing against the Seahawks because he has a little bit of a personal vendetta. Um, I have the Seahawks winning this, but I have the Ravens having quite a, a couple turnovers and getting at Russell Westbrook or Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson, quite a few times. Um, anything you want to add to that? I think Seattle wins. Yeah, Earl Thomas, the comeback first time Seattle is going to be definitely a cool story. However, Russell Wilson is amazing so far this year. If he's not in your MVP talks, he needs to be. And then probably my pick for Packers and Raiders. Hey, Packers have won seven straight against Oakland. Hate to say it to you. Uh, but, yeah, I got the Packers winning it, although they did. They should have lost last week. I will say Lions should have won. I feel free, Detroit fans. Yeah, okay. Jalen, I also want to throw this in here real quick. Jalen Ramsey traded to the Rams. I really like the move for the Rams. I thought they were selling when they got rid of Marcus Peters, and then when I figured out that they were picking up Jalen Ramsey, I was like, oh, that's kind of a smart move. But I still would have tried to get rid of something other than Marcus Peters to go ahead and put those two together, in my personal opinion. But that's just me. But uh, anything you else want to add to that, or you want to just get into the NFL Week 6? This is going to be our new segment, uh, the Fantasy Follies. Yeah, Um, Fantasy Follies. People who just did not match up to what they should have done this year or this week. Uh, the people I want to talk about, um, we talked about a couple guys that you had. Juju Smith mm-hmm. yeah. did not look good with Devlin Hodges out there at quarterback. It looked unfortunate. Mm-hmm. You said Jarvis Landry also did not have the greatest of games. Yep. Alvin Kamara, single digits this week. That is not acceptable. Cooper Cup. Again, just not acceptable on his side of the ball either. None of these guys lived up to their expectations of being – most of these guys were first-round picks this year. Uh, Juju, I think he was a second- or third-round pick in our in our uh, fantasy league. Jarvis Landry, right around the same time. Um, and they were traded off from, like, waiver-wire guys halfway through mm-hmm. the season because they were just not producing this year. Cooper yep. Cup has been producing all year. Kamara has yeah. been a 20- to 30-point guy all year. Mm-hmm. Both of them were single points this week. Um, you got anybody else you want to add to that real quick? Yeah, talk about? Yeah, I mean, we got yeah, two, two more. On this one. Two more. Amari Cooper. Uh, yeah, he did get hurt, but it was unfortunate. But he's a guy that um, uh, he's been playing uh, very well all season and then only had one reception for three yards. So, yeah, he didn't really get anything. And then on the running back side, uh, someone who's performed pretty well for the entire season, you're seeing about 10 points or more every week in like Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. And that's Derrick Henry. He did not show up last week. Uh, oh, yeah. In the in the win or in the loss, I'm sorry, against Denver, uh, only 28 yards. So yeah, kind that whole team, too, yeah, honest. that whole team on Tennessee just wasn't doing it. Uh, that's that's something that you got to keep in mind too. Uh, although you know Mariota is making a switch, try to change the the culture there. 
Uh, that team is not good all around. Tennessee has a lot of questions, which is unfortunate because you thought that Tennessee was going to be something um, of maybe a potential wildcard team looking for at the beginning of the season. But yeah, I didn't like those two players. Um, Juju, I started Juju. That sucked. You know, he only had one reception, seven yards as well. So, and I traded Jarvis Landry uh, this weekend after this. It uh, wasn't, a, wasn't a great trade. I had to sell pretty low. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was over Jarvis Landry after this game. So, yep, didn't like those ones. Yeah, okay. So, I want to talk about somebody that I thought was kind of funny because the entire time I'm watching the game, I'm going, oh, man, I started the wrong quarterback. I started the wrong quarterback. He's thrown five interceptions. I started the wrong quarterback. Yep. He got one touchdown, ended with 20 points. Jameis Winston, you're my hero this week. I don't know how you did it with five turnovers. You fed my defense five turnovers, which also helped me win. But uh, that was a pretty funny one to me, honestly, because I the whole time I'm just going, oh, man. Here's the question. Nasty. Are you going to start Winston this week, though? Well, we're playing each other, so you'll find <laughs> out. <laughs> I'll just say I've got a few people now that are going to be better uh, options, finally. Yeah, so, we'll see. Uh, we're about five seconds off of Fantasy Follies, and I want to go yeah. ahead and talk about Will Disley. Unfortunately, mm. it looks like he's out for the rest of the year. That's going to lead us right next to into our next thing, because the guy I say that you may, name, uh, may need to pick up is Luke Wilson. He's the Seahawks' backup. He didn't have many receptions last week, but Russell Wilson loves his tight ends and always he does. Has. Yeah. So that may be somebody to pick up and look at because he's an interesting target. Uh, Kirk Cousins, the last two weeks, he had 25 points and then 34 points. You may say these are just fluke games, and Kirk Cousins just had a couple of good games. But if you know what I know, Kirk Cousins likes to start late in fantasy leagues, and usually he does get dropped, and you can pick him up. Um, Golden Tate looked healthy last week. It was the first time he looked healthy, and, you know, I mean, he came back the week before. He'd only had the one point, but he looked good last week. So I think he's somebody, if you can still pick him up, it's worth it. Hunter Henry is also somebody I'd pick up. The uh, Chargers tight end. Phillip Rivers, also notorious for loving his tight ends. I think those are some people you could really look at. And uh, you got anybody, well, hell, I'm giving you two full minutes for your fantasy predictions for uh, DraftKings. Well, you know, I want to talk about that Phillip Rivers thing. I've been trying to give him hype for the last uh, few weeks. Uh, and, you know, the hype that he finally, you know, had a little bit against uh, Pittsburgh with the, the Hunter Henry and um, and himself, you know, giving two touchdowns to him. But Phillip Rivers really hasn't hasn't balled out like he, he has in the, in the past in fantasy, which is unfortunate. Um, I think we're starting to see a little bit of change in the guard. I, we're talking a lot about quarterbacks this episode. Uh, we're seeing some change in the guard for sure with a lot of teams. And unfortunately, I think he's going to become one of them, too. Uh, but when we're talking about more fantasy things that I think are going to be pretty good, um, let's move over to the DraftKings FanDuel side. And let's talk about stacks again. I love the idea of stacks. I think stacks is where it's at. And um, there's three games that come to mind, um, in my opinion, that um, probably will get a lot of high percentages, unfortunately. But they should be sure bets. And now you just got to figure out who, who to put in the positions. But I like San Francisco against Washington this week. I like Garoppolo and I like Kittle. I like those two together. Um, maybe even find a way to put in um, – one of like like uh one of the running backs or maybe a receiver for the Niners. Um, if you want to put in the stacks in there, but I think Garoppolo is going to be fantastic against the Raiders or the, sorry the, the Skins, and they're gonna they're gonna do good. I think those are great for your points. Probably not high in salary either. Uh, also, um, I think Arizona against the Giants is going to be a pretty good game. Uh, I think I would go and stick more towards the Arizona side when I was thinking about fantasy. Kyler Murray and maybe uh, David Johnson. If you put those two together, uh, I I don't know if I'd stay or go towards the receivers of Arizona. Uh, Johnson has has had a couple of receptions out of the backfield, so I would stick with that. Although the Giants' defense has been pretty decent, so this is probably my third out of the uh, out of the stacks that I'm giving you right now. Second to the Garoppolo one. But the first one, in my opinion, I, and I really do think so, and I'm not saying it's out of bias, but I think the Buffalo Bills with this stack this, this week is going to be fantastic against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, my, uh, Buffalo is a 16.5-point uh, oh, uh, you know, favorite. So I like Josh Allen here, and I like John Brown as uh, his stack. I think John Brown and him are going are gonna to stack up and maybe get two touchdowns, hopefully at least one. But, yeah, I think Josh Allen and John Brown, uh, probably your best stack for the week. 
So the other thing I really want to just uh, want to discuss really quickly is uh, if you do pick up Golden Tate this week, he may not be the best start. The reason why is because Patrick Peterson just came back off of his suspension for PEDs. Patrick Peterson, for the ta- last, what, 10 years, has been one of the top five uh, corners in the league. He's a tough matchup uh, statistically for fantasy wide receivers every time he plays them. So do not start him this week. But if you can pick him up, he's a great waiver wire pickup. I just wanted to throw that out there really quickly because that's a very important thing. Yep. Now we're going to be talking about something we ain't been able to talk about yet. We're going to talk about the NBA. We're going Ooh. to talk about the East. I'm going to tell you my top four. We're going to, I'm going to let you tell me your top four right after, and then we're going to discuss why we have our top four the way we do, okay? All I right, let's go. Philadelphia at one. I think Al Horford and Matisse Tybull were interesting to pick up. I think the Matisse Tybull could be a great six-man for him and maybe even steal a starting spot somewhere down the road. Okay. Um, I got Milwaukee at two. Milwaukee's still a great team. Giannis is who he is. Uh, Lopez is a great uh, player for him, as usual. Chris Middleton is still, you know, Chris Middleton. Uh, Toronto. I have them at three. Even though they lost Kawhi Leonard, I think that team is still a really good team. I think that they're just going to keep on growing. I think Pascal Sie- uh, Siakam is going to see a whole lot more time this year. And I think uh, it's going to be interesting. And my number four is the New Jersey Nets. I think that team was really, really good that last year. And just the addition of Kyrie Irving alone is a great addition because Kyrie Irving was uh, an all-star for sure his entire career. And now you're putting him with Spencer Dinwiddie, who was a a really good player last year. So I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think Jared Allen flourishes in his second year. I think he's a defensive presence in the lane quite a bit. I think that the addition of DeAndre Jordan is also going to be interesting because it's going to give up the ability to foul more in the lane and be more aggressive on a defensive side. So that's why I have them as my fourth overall. I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to you now and let you talk about your top four. Well, uh, we're kind of on the same page when we talk about the top of the East. However, I got your one and two mixed up. I got Milwaukee at number one. Uh, I still think it's their division uh, to win. And although they didn't make it to the finals, however, they were fantastic last in the regular season. Uh, and I think it's still the same way. Uh, I think Giannis is going to be fantastic, as well as Middleton. I think Middleton is really going to have a crazy year. I think this is a year that really makes him shine. Uh, and then I got the Sixers at number two. Yeah, the Horford edition is fantastic. I think that the Sixers are really going to um, really going to shine this year as well. I don't think they're going to miss Jimmy Butler too much for the 76ers side. And the Simmons hype, I think, is is real enough to be able to still put them up there. I mean, they were they were really close to becoming, you know, going to the NBA Finals too. So, or no, they lost to the, in the first round, right? They lost to Toronto, so I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, but they were they were close too. They had a, you had a good playoff run. It was a, a final shot. So yeah. And then third, I got Toronto. Yeah, even though Kawhi, Kawhi is gone, uh, Siakam, Gasol, uh, Ibaka, that core is still really solid. I think that they still move forward, and they're still going to be uh, a team to contend in the East. East is not very strong this year, especially what we're going to talk about the West. There's teams that would probably be battling for a fourth or fifth seed in the West that might not even make the playoffs uh, in the in the West. So that's it's insane um, how how heavy the the West is. But and then my final, I got four. I got Miami. So adding Jimmy Butler for Miami is going to be impactful uh, for 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 the Heat. Uh, I like the Nets. I like that idea. Uh, but I think Miami squeaks them in for that top four spot. Brooklyn's still going to be Brooklyn's still going to be a uh, a playoff team though. I was going to say, I think we might have them flip-flop because I actually have Miami at five. Okay. Tyler Hero looked really impressive in Summer League. I even liked yep. how he got into a little sparkiness last night. Yeah. Talked a little bit of stuff to somebody. It was kind of funny. I'm pretty sure he called him soft. I'm pretty sure he said, he said you're soft. Nice. But rookie. Like, rookie already doing it. Yeah, rookie already talking. But, all right, let's talk about the West because you talked about how stacked that is, and I do yeah, have to agree stacked. with you. But uh, I think we may have a lot of disagreements on this because we've kind of talked about this stuff to begin mm-hmm. with. I yeah. have the Clippers at the one seed, the mm-hmm. Houston Rockets at the two seed because I think adding um, Russell Westbrook to the team really helped them. Uh, the Lakers at the three seed and Utah at the four. Now, the reason I got the Clippers at the one is kind of obvious. They added Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to an already good team, re-signed Pat Beverly for another year. It really helps them. Um, Houston, like I said, they added Russell Westbrook. Didn't have to get rid of much. Lakers, you got the, I mean, literally in like 
07, this was an all-star team, and in 2012, it may have been an all-star team, too. But where you have Rondo and... Who, who else we got? Rondo, Green, LeBron, uh, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard. They had DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins got hurt, unfortunately. It really sucks that DeMarcus Cousins has had a couple years where he's just not been able to get healthy. That's unfortunate for him. I will never hurt in, uh, injuries on anybody, but that's... And then the Utah coming into four seed because Mike Conley was a, such a great addition to the team. And I think that that team is going to be a defensive presence now, and they're going to be able to run a pick and roll. It's going to be disgusting. And I think Rudy Gobert may be somebody that's going to be a much more offensive presence this year than he has been past few. Uh, yep. I'm going to let you talk about your top four and go ahead. Well, you didn't even put my number one in your top four, so that's how off we are. But like I said, this West is going to be amazing. There's going to be a stacked. lot of teams stacked. Yeah, stacked. But I got the Denver Nuggets, actually, as the first team. I think Denver is going to be a team that's going to shock a lot of people. They have such amazing presence in the paint with Jokic and Millsaps. And I think they're really going to be that team uh, that that is over the top compared to everybody else. And then number two, I have the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I like I love the addition of Connolly, and I think Utah is just going to continue to where they left off last season. Um, they had a great regular season, and they're going to continue to make that even better. So Denver and Utah as a 1-2 seed, that sounds like super uh, late 1990s, and I love it. So hopefully that can continue. Uh, third, I got the L.A. Clippers. So, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Lakers fans, but the Clippers are going to be a better team than you, even with Paul George out for a little bit. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard and that team is going to really take a step forward. I like the idea of Doc Rivers having both those guys. Um, once Paul George comes back, they're going to make a really nice run. They might sit down low, like maybe four or five maybe even six before Paul George comes back. But when he comes back, they're going to be up there and sitting, probably battling for the number one spot. But they'll sit at the third seed. That's what I got predicting. And then I have Houston sitting at the fourth spot. So Lakers, I do have them at five, so don't get pissed off, Lakers fans. But adding Russell Westbrook with James Harden, having that reunite uh, that reunion from OKC again, yeah, that team's going to be fun to watch. Um, and I think you know having that, that addition, that improvement from – uh, Westbrook instead of Chris Paul, and those two together will be will be really fun to watch uh, in Houston. So, and I'll just throw you: I got Lakers at five, and I got Dallas at six. Uh, but there's so many great teams in the West, uh, especially you know uh, the new and improved New Orleans Pelicans, uh, who have issues with Zion Williamson now, who might be out for a little bit. Yeah, that's what I was just about to get into. Uh, Zion is hurt. By the way, Denver, my five seed, just in case any okay. Denver fans wanted to attack me in the comments. Denver, <laughs> my five seed. Don't come at me. Uh, <laughs> all right, but yeah, Zion's going to be out for a couple weeks. That may affect your fantasy team, but we're mm -hmm. going to go ahead and get into some people that we think are fantasy sleepers. And the first one I want to talk about is Montrez Harrell, because I just talked about the Clippers, about how they didn't yep. have to add much, and they still kept a really – or didn't have to get rid of much, and they still have a really good team. I really mm -hmm. like the addition of Mont or Montrose Harrell with the addition of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard is going to be great. I think he's going to be sneaky, suspiciously good. Um, the other one I want to talk about real quick is another big man, Steven Adams. I think Steven Adams with Chris Paul is going to be an interesting thing because I feel Steven Adams, if he was in a slower offense, would be putting up more points and having more production throughout the season. I think Chris Paul is the guy who's going to do that. I know you talked about a little bit of a fear of a trade for him, yeah. but even if yeah. through the first half of the season, he's going to get you a lot of points, and then maybe you can give him to somebody else on a flyer. I think he's going to be really good. I'm going to go ahead and let you talk about a couple big men if you want or talk about whoever you want, and then I'm going to talk about two more guards right after. Yeah, well, I got two guards and one big guy, but yeah, they're throwing that Steven Adams. Yeah, I, I got a fear that he's going to get traded. I don't think OKC's done yet. I think we're going to sit around trade deadline, and they're going to be maybe battle. They're going to be battling for a spot. They won't, maybe they'll be in one, maybe at seven, eight at most. But we said this West is tough, and they're going to decide they need to keep moving forward with this trade, this rebuild. And Adams, I think, is going to be that guy that they're going to be able to get some value for, um, for some of these teams that are going to need some help and it might be moving him to the East. But yeah, I, uh, I like, I like the addition of uh, Kemba Walker in Boston. So Kemba, I love Kemba. I've always been a big Kemba fan. However, he hasn't had that much support uh, when he was with Charlotte. Now having all these guys around him is support of Boston. I know I didn't put Boston in my East standings. I do got them at six, by the way. Um, but I think that he's going to flourish even more. He might lose some of his, 
uh, maybe a little bit of his minutes or a little bit of his points because of the more skill around him. But I think his assists will improve, and I think overall points-wise that'll help him now in ADP league. And then uh, I also like the Aaron Fox. I think the Aaron Fox is going to have a fantastic season uh, for Sacramento. I think that team is building perfectly, and I think they're going to be one of those teams that battle for that seven-eight spot uh, in the West. Like I said, this West team, this West is amazing. So you could, there's only. You know, probably only two teams that count out in the West. Uh, the rest of them are going to – that 7-8 spot's going to be so fun to watch uh, come the end of the season. And then if you can find a way to to sneak in maybe in the fifth or sixth round, uh, depending how large your your draft is, um, and you could find a way to get Kristaps Porzingis, I mean, don't hesitate. I think he's going to have a fantastic year um, finally being able to play on this Dallas squad, um, being, you know, I think right next to Donick, you know, the rookie of the year. I think Porzingis is finally going to find a spot and he's not going to have to be sharing that or being that total, total spotlight like he was in New York. I think Porzingis is going to finally find and solidify his spot under Cuban's Mavericks. So I like Porzingis here, too. All right. So two people I want to talk about. Um, the one that's going to be underrated is going to be Spencer Dinwiddie. I think mm-hmm. he's, like I said earlier with the Nets, I think he's going to fit in well with Kyrie Irving. I think he could put up a lot of points on given nights. Uh, Kevin Durant not being there right now is going to help him a lot too because he's kind of one of those people that can just quietly score. The other guy is going to be Trey Young. I feel like there's so many pieces around him right now that he's going to be a double-double machine all year, maybe even possibly triple-doubles, but he's not the greatest rebounder for being completely honest. But I think he's going to put up a lot of points this year. I think he's somebody who's going to be one of those guys to pick up if you can. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about this NLCS. And I'll go ahead and go ahead and let you gloat for a minute because the Nationals won. Who? But anyway, yes, they won. They, they may have swept us because we had the worst batting in the history of you know, all of baseball. But that's okay. Yes. Yeah, so it was fantastic sweep by the Nationals. And you know what, uh, Cardinals fans, you guys are awesome too. Though I will say that some of the most respected fans in baseball, and that and that series was was great too. Um, unfortunately, you know, it wasn't good for the bats of the Cardinals, uh, but the pitching of the Cardinals, for the most part, was was amazing, uh, especially from Jack Flaherty. Uh, Flaherty is amazing. He's going to have a, a great a great career, uh, and hopefully, it stays in St. Louis because he's just a, he's a great face for that for being the ace on the Cardinals squad there. Great, uh, great to take over for Wainwright, which Wainwright play, uh, also pitched well. Uh, hopefully this wasn't the last time we see him. Hopefully he doesn't retire at the end of the season or in the offseason here, and hopefully we see him pitch maybe another year or two. Uh, but he is talking about retirement a lot. But, yeah, great, great sweep by the Nationals. Uh, what a story so far, especially from all these role players that they've had. Uh, pitching was outstanding by the Nationals. We saw – um, two no-hitter bids going into the seventh inning in both Game 1 and Game 2 by Annabelle Sanchez and Max Scherzer. Um, so, and then you had uh, Steven Strasburg in Game 3, which, you know, he pitched lights out too. And then Game 4, you had Corbin, who also was amazing. And then the bullpen for the Washington Nationals, who has been in question the entire regular season, has been lights out this whole playoffs. And it did not change at all in the NLCS, except for uh, game four there uh, a little bit a little shaky with uh, Daniel Hudson the closer that they got from Toronto uh, almost let up after that seven nothing uh, takeoff in the uh, first inning for the Nationals which I find that's a little crazy you know that there was it was 10 nothing um, in the NLDS game five or when they uh, took over for the the Braves and then when they were facing elimination, they had a crazy first thing against him. I know you're a Cardinals fan. It probably hurts, but isn't that – it's a little poetic, don't you think? It's a little crazy, to be honest. Um, yeah. The thing I've said in a lot of the articles I've wrote is that the team just looked like they were mentally depleted after the series with the Braves. And then yeah. coming into this series with the Nationals, they looked like they were already beat after game one, after uh, they after the, after the game one, it just looked nasty for them. Uh, mm-hmm. We were one for Paul Goldschmidt. You told me this a little bit ago was one for 19 throughout the series. That's just a yeah. disgusting uh, stat. I know yeah. going into Game Four, the two the two uh, leadoff guys, the one and two, were 0 for 21 with three walks. That's absolutely nasty. That means 21 times that Goldschmidt came out, he he uh, only had nobody on and two outs. That's really bad, and that makes your pitching staff 
feel like they need to be almost untouchable, and that adds some pressure to them. And yep. then, like you said, Flaherty looked good, and then because yeah. of defensive errors, he had uh, runs scored against him that shouldn't have been scored against him, and it was just bad. And they actually did mark those as scored runs, not as an error off of the uh, off the bat or off the glove of uh, Marcelo Zunia. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not a good thing. So and that makes you feel like you have to do more at that point, and you have to deliver more. And yeah, he did get himself a few more runs on the board at that point, but he could have been out of the inning there. And that's the kind of thing that you can't have in the outfield. And that's something I want to discuss later about the Cardinals is that I think the Cardinals maybe need to move on from Marcelo Zonia because he's not the greatest defensive uh, outfielder. Yeah, once this, oops, sorry, say once the once the World Series is over, I'd love to get take a whole. Uh, a couple segments and talk about the free agents of the MLB uh, moving oh, yeah. forward because there's going to be a lot, and one of them is going to be Anthony Rendon of the Nationals. Uh, but yeah, I I'll tell you what, it was a definitely um, an amazing series, although it was a four nothing Nationals National series. And I would say to you guys as Cardinals fans, is I'd be grateful to be honest, and I think Nationals fans too. You know, we're definitely going for it. But the Cardinals weren't even expected to make the postseason after the start they had. They were 500. Um, they found a way to, to beat the Braves. Um, and move forward in the NLDS. And then, uh, although they, they made it to the NLCS, they made it to the championship round after having a very subpar first beginning of the season. They didn't yeah. have their closer. Um, so the, for the holes, you know, Hicks has been out. So they definitely had a lot of issues, and they still found a way to make the NLCS. They have a fantastic core. Uh, so if they find a way to just keep building some of these pieces that they might lose in the offseason, yeah, it would be fantastic. But let's move on. ALCS uh, yeah. uh, could, could end tonight. Uh, with the Astros winning last night and now have a three to one lead, um, I think the Astros might do it. I think they probably will. But um, the Yankees have had some fantastic side of the bat and they've had some really shaky sides of the bat too. Uh, Glaber Torres has been absolutely amazing, with the exception of last night. Game one, he had five RBIs. He is the bat that can't go dry uh, tonight. And if it does, they might be saying good night. And the guy they really need help with, who did get a home run last night, but has been shaky for the entire series and the entire postseason, has been Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez needs to continue. Uh, he needs to give some better defensive plays, too. He's uh, had a couple against him, uh, especially in the late innings last night, that caused about two two runs to score. Uh, yeah, so definitely need some help there. And then, obviously, you'll need some help from the end, your back end of your uh, batting order. And some of those guys like Didi Gregorius really need to step off. He had a grand slam against the Minnesota Twins and the ALDS. And other than that, he really hasn't done anything uh, in the postseason. So could use some help from him. He's also a free agent moving forward. So something to keep in mind, he might be playing for a paycheck uh, in, game, in game five tonight. Uh, on the Houston side, man, Carlos Correa, he's really stepped up, and so has uh, George Springer and Jose, or Jose Altuve. Uh, those three guys have really stepped forward for these guys. And now we're seeing Paxson tonight against Justin Verlander. Yankees are going to have to play an elimination game with Justin Verlander out there. Uh, what, if you're the New York Yankees, what are you going to do? Um, you know, I'm not really sure, but you did yeah. say, and you got me thinking about it, about the Carlos Correa play, game yeah. two, the walk-off. It mm-hmm. was just, it was almost theatric the way it happened. Because when he hit it, he knew it was gone. Oh, yeah. The way he tossed his bat, he knew it was gone. He started doing the Hulk Hogan to the crowd. He started, yep. what, did you, can you hear me? And he, I mean, he was ready, and it kind of, on honestly, I think that set the tone for this entire series. Because if you look at this sense. For sure. I mean, yeah, the, the 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 Yankees came out strong game one, and it looked like, oh wow, maybe the Astros aren't the team I took them to be. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, maybe uh, maybe the Yankees are going to put a little hurting on. Since that walk off, they are now three and one. Yep, and that's that says something about that. Well, three and zero, yeah, or yeah, well, three and zero. I think that was a momentum game for the Houston Astros, and I think it was depleting for the Yankees. They haven't came back since. And tonight with Verlander on the mound, you really got to do something and hope that maybe, just maybe, the offense can do something against him and get you to a game six. Because, honestly, I think this ends right now tonight, game five, gentlemen's sweep, and we see the Nationals versus the Astros in the World Series. I will say this. I'll say, I will say this. If the Yankees win tonight, you need to stop saying gentlemen sweep because you're not doing pretty well with that one. Um, however, however, um, I think you're completely right with the momentum idea. I think um, that Houston really expected them to just 
do so or do do completely well at home in 2017 when these guys faced off in the ALCS. They went to seven games, but everybody won when they were at home. There was four games in Houston, and they won in seven. Um, so you know, going into game one, it was in Houston. They expected to win, and then they got blown out. So being able to get a win in Houston before heading to New York and being off or being off a walk-off home run. Yeah, that was definitely a momentum swing for sure. And I will say one thing before we head out um, of this segment and of this episode, uh, CC Sabathia, man, he came in for a bullpen or came in out of the bullpen last night and uh, looked like he tweaked his knee and had to leave the game. And yeah. it might've been the last time that we ever see CC Sabathia, uh, I really hope that's like not it. the case. Yeah, I really hope that's not the case. He is retiring. He might probably won't be seeing him tonight. And if we do, if they lose tonight, we'll probably that'd be the last time we see CC throw a pitch. It's not on his terms. And you hate to see that from a guy who's most likely going to be in Cooperstown someday. So I just want to say, you know, thank you for the Yankees fans for giving him a standing ovation, although it wasn't the uh, the time that you wanted to see him uh, being down eight to three. But yeah, fantastic. Uh, thanks, DC, for all you do uh, and for your, for a great career. I, I enjoyed watching him ever since watching him uh, in the in Buffalo when he was uh, in the minor leagues for Cleveland Indians, seeing him on the Buffalo Bisons. I've got to see him before he even made the big time. So, yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. All right. Well, let's get on to this World Series. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I think Houston wins it all tonight. I think yeah. they win it in five, and I think we see the Nationals and the Astros. Mm-hmm. And if we see that, we're going to see some of the best pitching matchups wow. we may have seen in the history of baseball. When we look back on this, people may go, wow, these were potential Cy Young candidates on both sides for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just the potential matchups that are available on the board, we kind of discussed them before the, the show started. You know, you have like uh, just the potential of Scherzer versus Verlander. Cole versus Strasburg, Sanchez mm-hmm. versus uh, Keuchel. Not Keuchel. Wow. Granky. Granky. Why did I yeah. say Keuchel? Uh, you're good. Don't worry about it. But yeah, I agree. I might be I somewhere will, else. <laughs> I will say. I will say that if it ends tonight, this will benefit the Astros even more. They'll get a little bit of a rest, and uh, they'll be able to rest Verlander. However, it'll leave Cole wide open. Uh, so Cole would probably be the game one starter uh, against the Nationals. But having even having Cole against Scherzer, that's insane. And then yeah. maybe and then Verlander might be two or three. They could move whenever what's going on with the record. But even if that's the case, even if you got a Strasburg versus Verlander, Sanchez versus Verlander, um, Corbin will probably come out of the pen for the Nationals. Uh, crazy, it's crazy. And he having, looked amazing in Game yeah. Four. So if he's coming out of the pen for you or the pen for you guys, that's going to look mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, the one thing I want to ask though is like, I think honestly. With the six starting pitchers that we're talking about right now, I say all six of those are going to end up in the Hall of Fame one day, very possibly, if not just five of the six. And we'll say Sanchez is a very possible, a very good possibility. Okay, and then we're going to have this in this series. I think that could be one of the best def- or best offense or best uh, pitching series as we've ever seen in a World Series. And to some fans, it may be a little boring. Yeah, that's me, true. I'm going to love it. Yeah, I'll tell you, I would say four guarantees. I would say that your uh, top two on each team are guarantees. I think Scherzer and uh, Strasburg, I think those are guys you're going to see that, yeah. that are in the hall. Cole and Verlander. Uh, Verlander, absolutely. There's no doubt. I think Verlander's Grinke, no because doubter. of the, the the entirety of Grinke's career, I think that'll be what gets him over the top. That's why I said five out of six, because Sanchez has not had the same career as uh, Grinke has. Yeah, they both have both had good time. Um, yeah, I could see that. And then you could even say there's a possibility if you throw um, a couple good good more years on Corbin, he might be in the talks. But yeah, I'd say yeah. those three are on the outside. But I would say you got four, one guaranteed, no doubter, and yeah. and the other three are most likelies. Yeah, but there's gonna be some fantastic uh, pitching if the Astros find a way to make it, and we don't see uh we don't see the Yankees come back here. I don't um, think I we would see say, a nine-run wow. game in this. I don't think we see one of those. You know, you never know because we had great pitching in St. Louis and True. we had some high ones. But I will say the biggest thing will be the bullpens because you have all these starting pitching and you know that it's going to be expected to be good. But um, if we have good pitching on both sides, it means it's probably going to be close and we're going to have to rely on these seven faith knife innings bullpen outings. And Washington had shaky bullpen in the regular season. However, they've been fantastic for 95% of the time 
uh, in the postseason. And Houston has had the same kind of outings. They've had pretty have had some really nice uh, uh, bullpen work for the most part in in their games uh, so far this postseason too. So um, I think that'll be the big the big key because it's hard to say the bats need to really help. Um, for both these teams if you have really fantastic pitching. So I think this entire series, if it's the Astros and the Nats, will come down to the bullpen for sure, 100%. So what do you got? So let's just say, let's assume that the Astros win tonight, okay? Let's assume that that happens. And Tuesday we have the Nationals heading to Houston and uh, they play game one in Minute Maid Park. What is your prediction for that World Series? Well, I think it's going to be one of the more entertaining World Series for sure. I don't want to be the Mr. Biased and go, I don't really have an opinion, but it's going to be, it's it's really tough to decide, to be honest. I really want to root for the Nationals because they beat the Cardinals. Um, the Astros, when I went and watched them in July, that team was so good right then at that point. I was yeah. like, this team is probably making it to the World Series. At that point, I was thinking it. So it's going to be a very good matchup. But and what I've learned in the recent postseason of Major League Baseball is it's all about momentum. And the team with the most momentum right now is the Washington Nationals. So I have the Nationals in six. All right. Yeah, fantastic. You know, I think this is going to be another great series, too. Um, and I think that if the Nationals are going to win it, they're going to have to find a way to win it in six. Um, because if they go through a game seven in Houston, I think Houston's got it. So I am agree with you. I'm going to say uh, the Nationals in six. I think they finally get their World Series win. Um Wow, what a, what an amazing feeling that would be if the Nationals can do it. I think the role players of um, of Howie Kendrick and Jan Gomes and uh, and of course you know the Ryan Zimmerman movie has to end with a happy ending, and I think it does. So I think it happens. I think the Nationals will take that in six. But wow, what what a game it'll be, you know for sure. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's going to be probably one of the better World Series we've seen in a long time. I don't think there's any way we can see a sweep in this series, because if we've seen a sweep in this, I'd be highly disappointed, because both these teams have looked so good this entire postseason that if somebody just was to collapse like that, it'd be one of the biggest disappointments disappointments I've seen in yep. modern history. Like the, I'll be honest, uh, the 06 Cardinals comes to mind as one of the biggest disappointments because we had so much momentum going into the postseason. We tore mm -hmm. through every opponent. We got to Boston, and Boston swept us. And it was just like, yeah. wow, did that really just happen? Like, are, are we living in real life right now? Uh, and it happened the same thing the year after that, too. And it was with the 07 Colorado Rockies, too. And that one comes a little more into play. And the Colorado Rockies, um, they swept through everybody uh, all the way up into the World Series, and they had their rest for nine days. So the Nationals had their rest for seven, and then they got swept. So um, that's going to be interesting right there. That's kind of what I was talking about, too, is because the rest is an interesting factor. If they got swept after that rest, it would be really disappointing. I mm -hmm. don't think they will. I think it's, like I said, six, maybe even seven games. Yeah, Tuesday's game will be very important to see where the momentum still sits. Yeah, I think it's the Nationals, and I think they're in, it's in six. Like I said, maybe seven. But I'm hoping by the I'm hoping by next week we're talking about how they're already up two zero in the series, maybe even three zero in the series, and uh, we're talking about maybe just maybe the Washington Nationals winning the first uh, one in the, that that technical franchise. Even though the Expos won one since they've got to Washington, this would be the first time they've had this chance, and that'd be pretty. Expos awesome. never won one. Expos never won one. Or they got to one, didn't they? Is no. that what it was said? No, the Expos never even made it to the NLCS. So, so ever since the uh, so the Expos became a team in 1969, and from 1969 to 2004, I think the best they got was like a division series. They never made it to the NLCS. Okay. So this was actually their first NLCS. So somebody who wrote that article was. Uh... Not correct on their factual statements yeah. and with what should they been, said. Should have been reading my article, and that's by the way. I like to throw that out to uh, Derek and I have both uh, very uh, appreciative, by the way, too. Have uh, picked up a uh, picked up a gig working with OvertimeHeroics.net. We both are starting to write for Overtime Heroics, um, so go ahead and check us out on our Twitter pages um, and also at Overtime Heroics. Also, we uh, we probably will be throwing this podcast up there working with Overtime Heroics as well. So we might have um, a little sponsor for you guys here, um, picking it up as we move forward. So we're really looking forward to working with these guys as well. And, but don't worry, Tough Talk will still be around uh, as we love giving you all the news and information on uh, your Friday afternoon.
Also, when he says that, don't think that we're going to be stopping talking sports over here. Nope. Don't think we're going to. And if you want to go over to uh, Overtime Heroics, it's actually not just to read articles. It's not yep. just to listen to podcasts. They have forums over there. You can reply to everybody. You can talk. Mm-hmm. You can become part of the conversation as well. Um, just like over here, you'll be able to comment on our articles and tell us what you think of everything. That's what this is all about. And that's what we're trying to do is just to make our, just further ourselves out there for you guys to see more and more of our content. So, uh, anything you want to throw out there that we may be talking about next week that we don't normally talk about or. Well, next week we'll be talking about, uh, what's going on in the world series for sure. We'll continue to talk about the NFL and we'll be talking about what we like so far at the first couple games and first couple days of the NBA. Um, yeah, I, I think that next week is going to be a fantastic episode. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Um, we're going to be talking about the middle of the season of the NFL. So maybe give some mid season awards. Uh, I'm looking forward to all of it. So Derek, uh, like always really, really happy, uh, to have this conversation with you on this Friday night. Uh, what about you? What do you think about Is there anything else we want to talk about next week that comes to your mind? No, I think that's pretty much yeah. going to be everything. I think it's going to be a good, a good fun episode. Um, yeah. We're going to be having it at seven o'clock on the East coast again, right here on YouTube. And uh, we'll get back to you then. So you guys yeah. have a good one and Christian, I'll see you later. Yeah. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at tough talk pod. Take care, Derek. Thanks for listening to the tough talk podcast. Be sure to tune in every Friday as we break down all the major sports topics for the week. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Twitter at Tough Talk Pod.